from Panda's Rule Productions and Triple J Studios. This is the 12th Dad Podcast. All right, welcome to the 12th Dad Podcast, your home for family-friendly breakdowns of Seahawks action, news, and history. I am your host, the 12th Dad himself, J.J. Johnston. Welcome to our third ever episode of the show. Number three used to be a fairly popular number with Seahawks fans until about a year ago. Uh, when Russell Wilson was traded, but we promise this will be a better number three than that. For today's episode, this is going to be all about the NFL draft. We're going to talk about what picks we have, what are maybe some of our trends that we've seen from our drafting team of John Schneider and Pete Carroll. I'm going to talk a little bit about who I want Uh, in the first round, maybe even get to the second round if we have some time. Those are going to be more of the players you see making an impact on the team uh, immediately. And then in our Around the League segment that we always close out with, we're going to talk about what picks uh, do our rivals within our division have in this draft, and maybe a little bit about what I could see them looking for uh, this next year as they're retooling and rebuilding uh, in an attempt to beat the Seahawks this next season. All right, for our first segment, we're going to talk about what is the NFL Draft. Awesome! So the NFL Draft is a three-day event that's held at the end of April every offseason, so every year. Players uh, from college who are at least three years removed from high school are eligible to enter the NFL Draft. They are foregoing any uh, future eligibility to play football in college by entering the NFL draft, signing an agent, Um, but this is their chance to enter into the NFL, which most of these guys have worked their entire lives to get into the NFL. And so it's very exciting for all of these players. So it's a three-day event. They do just the first round on Thursday. So we're recording this on Tuesday, uh, the 25th. Probably won't get released until Wednesday, the 26th. But Thursday, the 27th is the first round. So all these players are going to get drafted in the first round, which is pretty much the highest distinction you can get as, a, as an NFL draft pick as being that first round pick. On Fridays is the second and third round. And then on Saturday is a marathon event of the 4th through 7th rounds. It used to be just a two-day event, Friday and Saturday, and it was the 1st through the 3rd round and then the 4th through the 7th round. But the NFL realized that they could make more money 
by televising it over three days instead of two days as they move the first round to Thursday. But again, any player can you know, enter, declare themselves eligible for the NFL draft as soon as they sign that agent. They uh, are no longer eligible to play uh, college football anymore, but they're eligible to be drafted. Um, the NFL also has established uh, certain pay scales depending on where uh, players are picked. Uh, it used to be that players could negotiate their own contract and hold out, um, but you'd see you know, some kids that were first-round draft picks making more money than veterans that were uh, better than them, but they held out and got a ton of money um, without even having to prove themselves in the NFL. So between the Players Association and the league, they negotiated more of a pay scale so um, rookies weren't getting these outrageous contracts. And then if they didn't pan out in the NFL, you know, the NFL team is now wasting millions of dollars on a player that was not successful in what was what we call a bust. Um, so if a player is drafted high and they don't end up you know, producing like you would expect a first-round pick to be like a pro bowler or someone that's going to make a huge impact on your team. And if they just kind of fizzle out and don't do well, we call that a bust because they didn't live up to their potential. And so you saw some teams paying millions of dollars to guys that were just busts and were backing up guys making less than them. So um, that's kind of one thing that's happened over the last... Uh, I don't even remember when it started. I think it was like 15 years ago. Um, but just in a way to kind of even out the pay so the veterans were able to get more money because teams were holding on to money, uh, knowing they'd have to negotiate big contracts with these incoming rookies. So that is just a little bit about the NFL draft. Um, you know, seven rounds of 32-ish picks per round uh, is a lot to kind of manage it's a lot to watch if you're watching it on tv um, and it's a long wait for some of these guys that end up becoming seventh round picks um, the last thing is as soon as the nfl draft is over any any player that uh, was not drafted now becomes what's called a, a an undrafted free agent uh, and they can choose to sign you know with any team in the nfl as an undrafted rookie um, and that's where the Seahawks make lots of moves pretty quickly is right after the NFL draft, getting those undrafted rookie free agents signed uh, and eligible to come in for a rookie mini camp. So I think when we're talking about um, the NFL draft, we got to talk about what picks do the Seahawks actually have? So this NFL draft, the Seahawks have nine draft picks over seven rounds, which is a lot to have. Um, you're given seven, obviously. one Each team gets one pick per round. Uh, but thanks to the Broncos, we get two extra picks. And so going into this draft, the Seahawks have two first-round picks, number five and number 20. Um, thank you, Broncos, for that number five overall pick. It's very nice to have, although I'm a little bit annoyed because 
they won their last game, which means we picked at number five instead. I think we would have had the third pick overall um, if they hadn't won their final game. But number five and number 20 are great spots to pick at. Uh, we have two second round picks, number 37 and number 52. Again, number 37. Thank you, Broncos, for that one. Uh, that's the last of kind of our haul that we got from the Broncos is that second round pick. We have uh, one third, one fourth, two fifths, a sixth, and a seventh. Two, four, eight. Wait a minute. I think I miscounted. We have 10 draft picks, not nine. Because we have two fifth rounders, a sixth, and a seventh. Whoops. But overall, 10 picks, even nine picks is a lot, but 10 picks is even better. Um, I would expect us to turn that into um, some good players uh, that we'll see some making an impact next season, um, but most of them making impacts towards the end of next season and then uh, in future seasons. So 10 picks overall, two first round, two second round, a third, a fourth, two fifths, a sixth, and a seventh. Lots to keep track of. Um, our front office team and coaching staff have been very busy looking at hundreds and hundreds of players uh, to see who they think fits with our team and would be good value uh, for where they take uh, those players in the draft. All right, now we have it listed out what picks we have. I think we need to take a look at some of, you know, Seahawks' past draft trends. So with our front office, um, it's been a long time. I think it was their first draft uh, as a team that they had two, two first-round draft picks. Uh, we came away from that with Russell Okung, solid anchor of a left tackle, and Earl Thomas. Um, I loved Earl Thomas when he came into the league. He brought high energy, uh, became one of my favorite Seahawks really quick um, on that team that ended up winning the Super Bowl. Um, so last time we had two decent first round picks, uh, we did really well. Uh, since then, the first round has been kind of hit or miss. Um from my perspective, uh, we have a reputation of trading down and acquiring more draft picks, which isn't always a bad thing to be able to add you know, more valuable rookies and rookie contracts is, I wouldn't say that's a terrible thing. Uh, sometimes I think we've missed out on players that could be super impactful. Um, and would have fit well on this team because we traded down, um, which is always frustrating as a fan, um, but you don't always, you know, know everything that goes on behind the scenes uh, with meeting with these players and, and things like that. I also think that this combination of John Schneider and Pete Carroll and everyone they have on their team has uh, developed a reputation for trying to think outside the box, maybe overthink, um, and then they end up drafting 
maybe someone that nobody expected to go at that pick. Um, maybe reaching for someone that they probably could have gotten later in the draft. Um, drafting guys that maybe had a lot of people had concerns about coming into the draft. Um, and and with some of those, I'm I'm looking at picks like Rashad Penny, who was a first run running back when we didn't need a running back, and L.J. Collier, who people thought were uh, maybe a second round pick that they took in the first round, and then injuries happened and he wasn't able to produce. And then looking at someone like Malik McDowell, who never ended up playing for the team, and we used the second round pick on him. Um, a lot of people had concerns about did he really actually want to play football. Um, as he was coming out of college and and working his way into the NFL. But also, you know, thinking outside of the box has benefited the Seahawks greatly. Uh, look at guys like, you know, Bobby Wagner, um, small school, um, you know, not one of like the, the big name colleges. And yet we drafted him in the second round and, and he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, Russell Wilson was not considered to be a solid NFL prospect because of his height. Uh, we got him in the third round, and he won us a Super Bowl. Um, and then even more recently, like Jordan Brooks, um, people thought he would be more of a second-round draft pick. We picked him in the first round, and he's a tackling machine. And if he's not ready at the start of the season because of the injury he suffered at the end of last season, he will be sorely missed. And so there are times where their thinking outside of the box has helped. And, and um, so I, I, I think they're, they can be hit or miss with these early picks. I think that's all I'm trying to say. And so I'm not going to get... I, I have guys that I want and guys that I want them to take. But I also try to trust them uh, and trust the process of their strategy and who they take because they have made great draft picks over the years um, at value. And then as we look, you know, third, fourth round and beyond, uh, we have a knack for getting solid, solid production, um, even, you know, pro bowlers out of those late rounds. Like think of Richard Sherman was a late round pick. Cam Chancellor was a late round pick. And then even last year, you know, we had Tariq Woolen, who was a, a fourth round pick um, and was considered by a lot of people to be a, a project. He had great um, speed and size, but people thought he was a raw prospect. And yet um, he had a breakout season for us. So I, I try to trust them as much as I can and not criticize them too much until I actually see the production on the field. But I would expect to see us to do some trading down. I would expect to see us take guys that maybe people thought were drafted a little bit higher than they expected them to. Um, and I would expect maybe people to have mixed feelings about the, their picks, but we'll kind of talk about, you know, who they pick, and what happened um, in our next episode when we recap the NFL draft and talk about what I liked, what I didn't like, and how we see these past trends play out in this uh, NFL draft.
And now for our next segment, this is going to be What Do I Want? So for this segment, I'm going to talk a little bit about what I would like to see uh, in this draft. Um, More focusing on the first round, we'll move a little into the second round, but um, I think we're going to spend a lot of time on the first round because I think we have potential to have some really impactful uh, players drafted um, in the first round. And so um, we're looking at the number five overall pick and three of the teams ahead of us, I think, are going to draft quarterbacks. Um, the NFL, um, more and more, is an NFL uh, quarterback-driven league. You have to have that star quarterback uh, to take you to the next level. Um, do I think Kansas City wins the Super Bowl this last year without Patrick Mahomes? No. Um, I, he's an amazing talent and uh, he makes the chiefs a perennial super bowl super bowl uh, contender while while he is there um and so there's a lot of teams still searching for that quarterback that's going to put them over the edge and and i think there's some decent quarterback talent in this draft i think there's some guys that have flashes of great physical gifts um, that don't always translate onto the field, but people will take a risk because they don't have that guy on their roster already. Uh, so they'll do what it takes to get that guy on their roster. Um, there is a reason that Carolina traded for that number one overall pick. They need that quarterback of the future. So I think the only wild card ahead of us is Arizona. Do they trade down? get more picks so they can add more talent to their team, young talent to their team, uh, and then and trade for a, you know, trade to a team that's looking to draft one of the top quarterbacks or do they stay and grab one of the defensive players that I would like for us to grab. Um so when I'm looking at the number 5 overall pick, I've got three guys that I'm looking at. I'm looking at Will Anderson Jr. from Alabama. I'm looking at Jalen Carter from Georgia. And I'm looking at Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech. Uh, Will Anderson Jr. and Tyree Wilson are defensive ends. And Jalen Carter is a defensive tackle. Um, but I'm, I'm looking defense uh, for the first pick, maybe even the second pick in the first round as well. Uh, and I want, I want D-line. We need an impact in our pass rush, uh, our run stopping. And, and so I think that's where we look. Uh, especially for that number five overall pick. So to help me break this down just a little bit further, I'm going to go ahead and invite my co-host to come in and grill me on those three prospects that I like for that number five overall draft pick. Okay, Dad, why do you want Will Anderson Jr.? That's a great question. To me, Will Anderson Jr. is, um, the of the three, the one that I think has the least amount of potential to be a bust. I think 
he is going to be a solid producer. I don't think there is any risk in, in taking him. I think he's got just the size and the energy and the production in college in the toughest division in college that shows that the NFL, uh, he's going to be fine in the NFL. Um, he's drawn a lot of comparisons to Von Miller, um, who is a perennial pro bowler. Uh, and I, I think those are solid comparisons. And I think <laughs> any coach in the NFL would take um, someone that's being compared to Von Miller, both in uh, size and p- production and just NFL potential. Um, so that's why I like Will Anderson Jr. I think he gives us production from the defensive end spot that we haven't had since maybe a Cliff Averill. Um, and, and I think he has like superstar potential. Um, from that edge rusher defensive end spot uh, that we sorely lacked last season, um, and, and so uh, he's he's just the kind of guy that I that I think comes in and starts producing right away. I don't think there's you know any concerns about him not being able to compete at the NFL level. Okay. So, is there a downside to Will Anderson Jr.? I honestly don't know if Will Anderson even makes it to number five. I think that's my biggest downside is that I just have lost hope that he will be there. Um, You know, I also think that, you know, maybe a downside is what if he doesn't turn into the superstar that I, I think he has potential to be. I I think he still produces at enough uh, of a high volume that he's worth the the pick. Um, so maybe he doesn't become Von Miller, um, but I th- still think he becomes someone that produces at the NFL. Um, so maybe he's not someone that ends up producing at the level worthy of the number five overall pick. Uh, But I also don't think he becomes someone that everyone looks at and says that was a terrible pick. So uh, no, no real downside other than maybe he doesn't become that, you know, superstar that dominates um, that has the impact uh, or that doesn't have the impact that he had when he played at, at Alabama. Okay, so we know that you like Will Anderson Jr., but what do you think about Jalen Carter? Personally, I think Jalen Carter has what we call uh, a higher ceiling, Um, and that means I think he has more potential to be an even bigger star uh, than a Will Anderson. Uh, Jalen Carter played defensive line for Georgia, so it's the same division that Will Anderson Jr. was in. Um, just physically, just he's a monster of a person. He is uh, very talented, and he plays at a position where it's hard to find guys that can dominate inside uh, like he has the potential to do. So um, 
if we're talking about like a pick that's potential to just hit for a perennial pro bowler, all pro guy that's going to dominate in the middle, I think that's more where Jalen Carter could be than, than Will Anderson. Um, but Will Anderson plays at a more, uh, you know, premium position of defensive end, whereas Jalen Carter plays at defensive tackle. Uh, but, you know, the Seahawks really have lacked that interior pass rush presence um, for a while now. Um, I love I've loved guys like Al Woods and Puna Ford, but they're not going to be the pass rushing force um, that Jalen Carter could be. Think of uh, Chris Jones from Kansas City and the impact he makes from that interior defensive line. I think Jalen Carter is uh, similar in that he can uh, disrupt a, a, a quarterback from that interior defensive line position. So I think he has a higher ceiling than Will Anderson as far as the impact he could potentially have on the field um, from, a, from a spot where the Seahawks have missed that production for a long time. So Jalen Carter sounds great. Is there anything that would make you worry about him? Uh, <laughs> that's okay. I'll edit it all out. Um, honestly, from a potential for production standpoint, nothing makes me worry about Jalen Carter. It's kind of more things that are off the field. He had uh, an incident not long after they won the national championship game where he ended up having to go to court uh, where he pleaded no contest um, due to his uh, reckless driving and racing and in a car that led to a car accident. Um, so it's that um, he also showed up to his pro day out of shape, um, which makes me concerned that does he come to rookie mini camp? Does he come to training camp out of shape, not ready to play? Um, is football really a priority in his life if you're spending the number five overall draft pick on someone you want them to be all in on playing football um and 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 i think that's a a concern of mine uh with jalen carter you know i've heard uh teams that have had him in for a visit say they're not concerned anymore um so it does give me less pause than maybe i had a month ago um I'm hearing that there's lots of rumors that the Seahawks are high on Jalen Carter and want to take him. Um, so I, I'm hoping that that means all these teams that this is coming from have done their homework, have set, asked all the right questions, and and he's alleviated those concerns. Um, I'd also, you know, worry a little bit that, you know, not, 100% effort is given on every single play. Um, again, that goes back to this, do you really want to be here uh, kind of idea. So my worry is not what he can do on the field. My worry is, does that get derailed by things off the field? So now that we've talked about Anderson and Carter, 
What about Tyree Wilson makes you excited? To me, uh, Tyree Wilson jumps off the page because of his size. Six foot six, 275 pounds. Um, physically just reminds me of size-wise uh, of Jadevian Clowney, um, who we had for one season uh, a, a few years back. And, and someone like that, with just those kinds of physical attributes um, makes me really excited. So I think he's, he's got potential to be great with good coaching, continuing to work hard, um, improve on his skills. So physically um, just what Tyree Wilson brings with his size, his speed, his athleticism uh, is something that, that makes me excited. Uh, it's not every day you get a guy built like that, um, that you know, can play football at the level that Tyree Wilson can. So, if it's not Will Anderson Jr., if it's not Jalen Carter at number five, uh, I I think it has to be Tyree Wilson, um, just with that kind of size speed combo. Uh, on, on the edge uh, for this defense. Okay. Now, why would you pass on Tyree Wilson? I think my reasons to pass on Tyree Wilson uh, more stem from maybe not producing at the same level as a Will Anderson Jr. um, playing in the Big 12 as opposed to the SEC. I think the other thing is, is, you know, just worrying about, are we drafting a guy based off of his measurables, what his, what his size says based off of the, rather than basing it off of his production. Um, I want a guy that can produce at the college level, at a high level, um, because then, you know, that translates well to the NFL, to for that potential to produce at a high level, you know, and, and, and Tyree Wilson doesn't have the production that Will Anderson Jr. had. And so I think personally, that's where my concerns lie is the lack of production at the, at the college level compared to Will Anderson Jr. Not that he didn't have a great college career, um, just that it's not at the level of, of someone like Will Anderson Jr., now that we've talked about Anderson, Carter, and Wilson, what is your hope for the number five pick? Honestly, my hope is we get one of those three. Uh, ideally, I would prefer Will Anderson Jr. Uh, just because I think he's the safest of the three. Um, I think I would rank them Will Anderson Jr., Jalen Carter, and Tyree Wilson. Uh, assuming that all the interviews and everything with Jalen Carter have been done and it's confirmed that he's ready to play and ready to produce at a high level and help this team out from the get-go. But I really, really want one of those three guys uh, with the pick. I don't want one of the quarterbacks that could end up falling there. Um, 
just because I outside of the top two of of um, Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, I don't think any of the others are worth the number five overall pick. Um, so I'm I'm hoping it's one of those three guys, and, and we get solid production from the defensive line from that pick. Um, so whether it's one of those three guys or somebody else, they have a really high first round grade on. Um, I want defensive line from that number five overall pick. Now that we've talked about your hope for the number five pick, what is your dream scenario for the number 20 pick? Well, honestly, I have lots of hopes and dreams for the number 20 overall pick. I've gone through many scenarios in my head of, of what it looks like could end up being there. And, um, I I have some ideas. So what I would like to see is kind of more defensive line. Um, so if we get either Anderson or Tyree Wilson, I would like to see a defensive tackle. Um, so we're kind of adding first round rookie depth to that, uh, to both spots on the defensive line, defensive end and defensive tackle. Um, or if we get Jalen Carter, then I would like to see a defensive end or, a, a, you know, some kind of edge guy. Um, so if we're looking defensive end, the guy that I would hope would fall to number 20 and that we could get is Lucas Van Ness. Um, so if we walked away with Jalen Carter and Lucas Van Ness, I'd be really happy with that uh, on day one. Um, Lucas Van Ness is a guy that uh, he didn't start when he played at Iowa um, as a He's coming out as a junior, so he still had one year of eligibility, but um, never started, uh, but did produce when he was in. Um, he might be a guy that's got a lot of power uh, playing that defensive end guy, and he might be more of a guy that makes one or two big plays, uh, but kind of lacks the consistency, um, which is maybe why he didn't start when he was at Iowa, but he has flashes that look really good when you watch uh, his highlights, when you watch uh, film of Iowa. The other guy that I would love to see uh, if we're going defensive tackle uh, would be Kalijah Kansi. He's a defensive tackle out of Pittsburgh, um, which is funny because he draws a lot of comparisons to Aaron Donald. Um, if you have been a Seahawks fan for any uh, time recently, you know the name Aaron Donald and it uh, gives you nightmares because he is the defensive tackle for the uh, Los Angeles Rams that just wreaks havoc on the Seahawks every single game. And it just drives you crazy. So Kalijah Canty has drawn comparisons to Aaron Donald. Now I think if he was really drawing comparisons to Aaron Donald, he would go inside the top 10. Uh, but he's a guy that we could see at 20, maybe trade down and pick in the later 20s. Um, so I, I would really like to see a double dose of defensive line, uh, in the first round. Um, if we don't go defensive line and defensive line with those first two picks, uh, one other guy that I would love to see, uh, join the team is Quentin Johnston, a wide receiver out of, uh, Texas Christian TCU. 
and not just because he has a great last name, uh, but because <laughs> watching him play in the college football playoffs uh, and, and even throughout the season, but when it got to the highest competition that he had played, the kid just flashes. He's got speed. He's got size. Uh, great hands. So I, I think he would be a, a great third wide receiver to pair with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Um, but again, that's kind of my like, if we don't go uh, full on defense uh, in the first two picks of that first round, uh, a, a Quentin Johnston would be someone I'd love to see uh, join our wide receiver ranks. Uh, but honestly, I don't know if Lucas Van Ness or Quentin Johnston even make it to number 20. Um, and so I think if we pick Carter and Van Ness isn't there or, you know, another edge guy that they see making an impact, um, I'm trying not to throw out too many names and, and be overwhelming. Um, but I could also see us trade down at number 20, uh, accumulate more draft picks. Um, and get somebody a little bit later uh, that's of good value and add more picks uh, to our already high number that we have uh, with this NFL draft. Now that we've talked about the first round, what is your hope for then on? From then on, I'm, again, really hoping that we can spend some time retooling again more depth in the defensive line, um, adding linebacker help, especially outside linebacker help, and then solidifying the interior offensive line. Um, a guy I'd love to see them take, probably have to go for him in the second round, is John Michael Schmitz. Um, he is an offensive lineman uh, out of uh, Minnesota, um, starting center for Minnesota. Um, I like his size. I like his talent um, and, and center uh, interior offensive line because he can play guard as well. Um, that is definitely a position of need where we can stand to upgrade. We had uh, brand new rookie offensive tackles, both right and left uh, this last season um, and both performed uh, extremely well as rookies. And so I think solidifying the interior of the offensive line to help our run game, to protect Geno, uh, is super important. So I'd, I'd look to see uh, maybe some picks along that interior offensive line, along with, again, uh, you know, maybe outside linebacker, uh, defensive end, defensive tackle, uh, maybe even the inside linebacker position, since Jordan Brooks is the only guy that we really have signed beyond this year. Um, I would look to see them take maybe in the third round, fourth round, uh, a running back uh, to add some depth behind Kenneth Walker. Um, I would really, if we don't get Quentin Johnston in the first round, I would look to see, uh, I would like to see them add, you know, a wide receiver. Um, we've really struggled to find that third wide receiver to produce along with DK and Tyler. Um, and, and sometimes that can affect. Uh, getting them the ball without having that third threat. Um, teams can kind of more focus on those two. So getting that third wide receiver, that third outside receiving threat uh, to pair with those two would be uh, a, 
something I would love to see them add. Um, a lot of people expect us to take a quarterback at some point, uh, just because I don't think Gino is our, you know, quarterback of the future. I think he is uh, a Pro Bowler, obviously this last season, but I think he's someone kind of holding place until we can find that next the guy that will take over in quarterback for 10 years like Russ did. Um, a lot of people have linked us up with Hendon Hooker. He played at Tennessee. Um, very accurate uh, when he played, but he tore his ACL this last season. Um, so his uh, availability for the start of the season is in question. Uh, I also think whether he would, if we ended up with him, um, I I doubt he would be challenging Gino to start with the year Gino had last year, his command of the offense. Uh, but somebody that could learn under Gino for one, maybe even two years, uh, and then take over from there. Um, just there's there's lots of things that I think this team can add to add depth. Um, uh, we're always going to draft a cornerback at some point. Someone that's going to be in that 6'2 or maybe even taller range um, with speed that, uh, you know, Pete Carroll can turn into the next Tariq Woolen because Tariq Woolen's becoming a, a star. And, and so um, I always think we're going to see us draft at least one cornerback, one running back, um, you know, especially as we get into later rounds because you can find value there especially at running back um, in the, in those late rounds. And of course, our last segment is always around the league. We laugh because we get to talk about our NFC West rivals and what draft picks they have. So outside of the Cardinals, who have number th- the number three overall pick, uh, there's not really much to talk about in terms of draft picks for our rivals as far as high draft picks are concerned. Uh, combined between the other three teams in our division, they have three picks in the first two rounds, whereas we have four total. Um, the Cardinals have that number three overall pick. They have a second round pick, two thirds, a fourth, a fifth, and two sixths. Um, so not too bad. No seventh rounders, but they have a pick in every single round um, with the guys that they have asking to be traded. Um, I would expect to see maybe Hopkins, Baker, maybe both. Um get traded for picks. Um, I could see them trading down from number three if they needed felt if they got a deal that was uh, worth taking uh, for that third overall pick. Um, the, the Rams only have five picks total. Uh, they have one pick in the second round, two picks in the third and two picks in the fifth. Um, and one of those third round picks was for trading Jalen Ramsey. Um, so not a whole lot of uh, room for them to, to add some rookie talent uh, in this draft. Uh, and then the 49ers end up with actually the most uh, draft picks out of any team um, in this year's draft. 
Uh, they have three in the third round, three in the fifth round, a one in the sixth round, and four in the seventh round. So nothing in the first two rounds, but uh, quite a few picks later on. And, and the reason they have these picks is they have what are called compensatory picks. Um, normally we do a terms and definitions segment, um, but we're kind of turning around the league into that uh, little uh, terms and definitions segment, just talking about compensatory picks since the 49ers have so many. So compensatory picks are awarded uh, by the NFL to teams who um, lose players more than their signing players. Uh, they have their own specific formula. They don't release um, what that formula is and how they award uh, compensatory picks, uh, but it takes into uh, account players' uh, playing time from that previous season, their uh, salary, what they you know what they end up signing for, um, and what the team kind of takes in uh, in free agency. And then they award teams compensatory picks. They fall at the end of the round, um, and they start in round three. Um, so three, four, five, six, and seven. At the end of those rounds, you'll see compensatory picks, um, and those are just awarded to teams based off of you know kind of who they lose in free agency. Um, so the 49ers end up with uh, quite a few. I think they ended up with uh, seven is how many they got. So while they have the most draft picks out of any team, seven of those are compensatory picks for them or their own original picks. Um, so that's kind of a little bit more into the NFL draft and, and a term uh, that you'll hear uh, when it comes to the NFL draft. So it's good to know kind of what compensatory pick means. All right, and that wraps it up for our NFL Draft preview episode. Um, thank you for hanging around for our longest ever episode. I would have loved to get into more names, breaking down more ideas for all of our picks, um, you know, all 10 of them. Um, but it gets really difficult to do in one episode when you try to keep it to 30 minutes. So I thank you for hanging in. We're a lot longer than uh, one of our normal episodes um, but look for us releasing another episode next week we'll try to break down as many of our draft picks as we can uh, maybe even a little of what would I have rather seen there if it's a pick I didn't like um, but please 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 watch that NFL draft uh, maybe you don't have to watch it because it can be a little bit boring um, if you're not super into looking and seeing who gets drafted at each slot, uh, but pay attention to see who the Seahawks end up. Look them up on YouTube to see some highlights. Uh, lots of websites break down all the players that are uh, in this draft. So, you know, look and see who you like, who you don't like uh, from what we draft, who you would have rather seen if you can see, you know, who is available. Uh, but the draft is televised. Uh, and so, uh, definitely take a look at it. Multiple outlets will cover it. Um, so I usually end up watching it on ESPN cause that's the easiest. Uh, but, but definitely take a look and see who did we get? Who did we pass on? 
Um, and we'll try to break that down more uh, in our next episode. But again, thank you for joining us on this journey. The Ox fandom can be a roller coaster, but we'll make it through together. Uh, so until next time, the 12th dad is signing off.